On today's episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast, we are going to continue our previewing of the upcoming Louisville versus Florida State matchup by discussing the biggest X factor in this matchup. Um, also discussing how good is Florida State. And then the very end, we will talk about the number three Louisville volleyball team going on the road and taking down top 15 rival Kentucky in a five-set thriller. With that being said, let's get right on into the show. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports On. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in various sports. And I want to take this time, as always, to say thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Locked On the Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services, including YouTube and WHAS 11 Plus, five days a week, your team every day. As I mentioned, continuing our preview of the upcoming Louisville football matchup against Florida State by discussing what the biggest X factor is in this matchup, we will then um, answer the question, well, just how good are the Florida State Seminoles? And in the final segment, we will talk about and break down the number three Louisville volleyball victory over number 13 Kentucky in a huge five-set thriller. So beginning with the number one X factor, in this matchup for both teams, simply put, it starts and ends with the line of scrimmage. I think that the team that is able to set the tone on both ends of the spectrum, both on the you know for their respective offensive line and for their respective defensive line, you know the trenches is where this game is going to be won. Now, obviously, you could say, "Well, Dalton, don't all games get won in the trenches?" If you want to get technical, sure, um, but specifically this game is one that I'm looking at and I'm like, okay, there's a lot of ways that this game could go. Um, I think that there are some differentiating opinions on both teams from their respective fan bases. I think the fan bases are torn on both of their teams respectively, and I think that you know there's a, a handful of different outcomes of how this game could end up, and I think a lot of it is going to be depending on, well, which team dominates the line of scrimmage. Let's start from an offensive perspective for the University of Louisville. Um, Louisville's offense has really not necessarily been all that great. They're averaging 13.5 points per game, um, you know, a little under 400 yards per contest. Um, but obviously the game against Syracuse, they didn't look good. Looked a little bit better against Central Florida, but still uh, not even scratching the surface of, you know, how much potential they have on that side of the ball. Um, and then you put them up against a Florida State defensive line that really wrecked havoc for the um, LSU Tigers on the on Labor Day weekend. Um, we talked about Jared Verse being a player to watch the Albany transfer. Obviously, he's going to be somebody that you know you have to keep an eye on if you're if you're the Louisville Cardinals. Um, but they have a handful of different guys on, on that defensive line that that's going to really uh, affect this game. Uh, we talked about Jared Verse. Uh, you also have um, players like Josh Farmer uh, at the interior tackle, uh, Robert Cooper as well, Daniel Lyons, uh, Patrick Payton, Malcolm Ray, uh, Fabian Lovett, excuse me, Byron Turner Jr. You know all these players in, in the uh, 
in the depth chart rotation for the Florida State Seminoles on the defensive line. Um, Florida State's defensive line is probably the highlight of their overall defense. What was offensive line coming into the season, you know, that was supposed to be a very, very big asset, a big strength for the team because you had four guys returning and the one player you're replacing in Cole Bentley, Brian Hudson's already taken a good amount of snaps at center and he started at guard last season. So, it's essentially like you brought all five starters back. Now, I know you had some injuries and a guy transfer out at the right tackle position, but you know it's it's not a depth issue that's been kind of hurting the Cardinals. It's really just kind of been getting outplayed on both on um, in both. Um, well, actually, not even really. They didn't look all that bad against Central Florida. I thought that they gave Malik Cunningham a decent pocket to throw from, um, but. Uh, in that game against Syracuse, the Syracuse defense, defensive line really dictated the 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 flow of the game. And this is a Syracuse defense that you know withstood a handful of key defensive losses to injury that game. So um, I think that the line of scrimmage matters more for the Louisville offense versus the Florida State defense than it does the Louisville defense versus the Florida State offense. I'll explain why here in a second after I finish uh, previewing this uh, set. Um, you know situation and set lineup um you know i think that malik cunningham is one of the most consistent accurate passers when he has a clean pocket and when you allow him time in the pocket to run through his progressions make the right decisions um you know in rpo situations you have that uh you know even that split second that he can utilize to be able to make his decision I mean, that, that really goes a long way. And also uh, setting the tone for a uh, Louisville running attack that Scott Satterfield uh, seems to be very, um, you know, determined to get going with the a handful of very talented guys in the running back committee for the Louisville Cardinals. So um, Florida State's defensive line is going to be huge to watch for in this game because I, I think that it's going to come down to protecting Malik Cunningham, setting the tone at the offensive uh, line of scrimmage for the Cardinals and, and just, uh, you know, getting the gaps for the, ru for the rushing attack. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of examples of why this is very important, but I think it all kind of is centered around protecting Malik Cunningham. If Florida State is getting into the backfield where you're forcing Malik Cunningham to speed up his reads and his progressions and force him to, you know, possibly be prone to making mistakes, um, you know, you're not allowing Louisville's offense to really function to its capabilities because you're shutting down the run, rushing attack or maybe even not shutting them down, but getting them in third and long situations to where it's making it tough for the Louisville offense. I think that this is going to be a situation to where um, this is the key battle for me to watch for is can Louisville's offensive line continue to progress because this might be one of the best defensive lines that they face all season long outside of Clemson and, and some other teams, you know, Pittsburgh, so on and so forth. So I, I think that um, at the end of the day, it, it's important for the Louisville offense for us to Florida State defense, but it, it's also important on the other uh, aspect as well. Jordan Travis uh, looked solid through his first two games. Uh, Louisville's defense last week against Central Florida, when they put pressure on John Rice Plumley in the second half, they allowed one drive of all of the drives that Central Florida had in that second half to span over 
40 yards. Now, obviously, I think Jordan Travis is a little bit better of a pocket passer than Plumley, but it still goes to show you that when Louisville does bring the house, when they you know try to get after the quarterback and, and they make it an effort to do so, they can really throw a wrench in other teams' game plans and, and force opposing quarterbacks to get uncomfortable. Um, and then for Florida State uh, to flip the script, you know, protecting Jordan Travis is big because um, you know he's still continuing to progress. You have a solid rushing attack, so if if Florida State's rushing attack is able to be, um, you know, stabilized and solidified early on in the game to where they're um, you know setting the tone early from a rushing perspective, it's going to you know open up a world of possibilities from a passing situation because Louisville's going to do what they can to try to. You know, get it to where Florida State isn't necessarily churning out as much yards as they get on the ground. Obviously, Florida State, the number one rushing attack in the ACC so far, um, only through two games. So it's it it is what it is. Um, I do think that, uh, like I said, it, it this is more of a battle between the Louisville offensive line and the Florida State defensive line. But you can't overlook how important this is on the other other aspect as well because um, I think it offers a continuity. Uh, you know, style of thinking for the Louisville defense and continuing that momentum from the second half of last week's game and allowing, you know, the defense to continue to gain confidence and making it to where Louisville doesn't have to go out and score, you know, 30 points to win the game. And because let's face it, you know, the Louisville offense is still working through some struggles. Although the fact that they won the game against central Florida, they scored 20 points and, and, and they struggled throughout with mental mistakes, with turnovers, missed field goals, um, you know, third and long situations, so on and so forth. So I think at the end of the day, uh, the line of scrimmage is the aspect of the game that I'm looking for, though, where I think that, yes, every single game of football can, you know, probably be said to have a had a big impact due to whoever does good at the line of scrimmage. Obviously, if you are pressuring another team's quarterback or your team is pressuring another team's quarterback or ball carriers, you're going to be in for a uh, a positive result or even, you know, put into a uh, situation where you are in a better place to get that positive res- result. So, um but the line of scrimmage matters more in this game than it did the first two games for Louisville because of the upgraded defensive line that you're going up against. This is the best defensive line that you've gone up against yet and one of probably the top three that you will go against all season long. Um, and then on the other aspect of things, this is probably the best offense that you faced so far unless uh, Syracuse is just going to continue to you know, blow their opponents out, which we will see because they do play Purdue this weekend. But nonetheless, um, this isn't a show about Purdue or Syracuse. This is about the Louisville Cardinals. So um, Florida State, I-, I think that you want to get Jordan Travis in situations where he feels uncomfortable and in third and long situations make Jordan Travis beat you with his arm. But he's still a very, very solid quarterback. So for the Cardinals, it's all about um, getting – after the quarterback, protecting their quarterback in the line of scrimmage is what matters most here, in my opinion. So I think that the biggest question that a lot of Louisville fans have, and it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward, is because it really affects how you look at this matchup. Well, you can't really look at that until you answer the question, how good is Florida State? How good are the Florida State Seminoles? We're going to answer that question, or we're at least going to pose some food for thought here in the next segment after we talk about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is 
is also your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. How good are the Florida State Seminoles? Well, Mike Norvell's team coming into the season, or coming into this matchup, I should say, 2-0 and um, after defeating Duquesne in Week 0, as they call it, of the college football season, and then taking down uh, LSU in the first game of the Brian Kelly era on the Labor Day weekend that Sunday down in New Orleans, which essentially was sort of like a home game for the Tigers. So, um, you know, there's not much that you can take away from from what they've done you know from a schedule perspective you know they've handled their business and that that's really all you know you can't fault them for you know going to know they beat duquesne 47 to 7 um and they beat lsu 24 to 23 this is a game that hey uh you know the tigers came back you know florida state had a very real possibility to lose this football game um but lsu i have to question you know year one of brian kelly um, you know, predicted middle of the road of the SEC roster was depleted when Ed Ogeron left. Kelly had to, you know, overhaul the team as much as he could from the transfer portal. Um, and then obviously it's going to take some time to kind of retool the program and get them in the right headspace and get the locker room to where it needs to be from a mentality, uh, standpoint, um, so I have to question, you know, just how good LSU is. But nonetheless, it's a solid win for Florida State. Um, rushing the ball w- was kind of a, a struggle in this game. Um, they averaged 3.4, 3.5 yards per attempt. Uh, 38 carries, 132 yards. The leading rusher was Treshawn Ward, 16 for 49. Um Passing the ball is where I thought that uh, Florida State did well. You know, Jordan Travis was 20 of 33, uh, 260 yards, 7.9 yards per completion, two touchdowns to no interceptions. Um, You know, Travis is a solid quarterback. I think that ultimately, you know, he might not necessarily be in the top five, but he's definitely a guy that can go out and win you a football game with his arm or with his legs. This season so far... Um, he's 31 of 48, 467 yards, uh, two touchdowns to no interceptions, a 160.1 rating, uh, averaging 9.7 yards per completion, which is a career high, uh, and also a career high in completion percentage in 64.6. So he's not necessarily lighting the world on fire per se, but he is, um, you know, putting up respectable numbers and he's, you know, he's being accurate and he's being consistent in doing so. Um, I went on the Locked On Seminoles podcast on uh, Wednesday um, and basically discussed, um, you know, what I thought about this matchup. And, and based upon the tidbits from the two wonderful co hosts over there at Locked On Seminoles, they basically said, you know, um, this is kind of like a, a situation like Louisville to where, you know, you have maybe some issues with play calling, but this is a show me year in terms of the results. And, uh, you know, they have the personnel on defense. They have the personnel on offense with the wide receiving core that they brought in. So um, it's like, why can't Florida state be good? And I think that that's kind of the, you know, the, 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 
mantra or the the thing that they keep telling themselves is that this team still should be solid. Uh, you know, they have some solid uh, receivers. Um, you know, Johnny Wilson, uh, Ontario Wilson, Micah Pittman, Kentron Poitier or Poitier Poitier. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Uh, Deuce Span, uh, so on and so forth. Cameron McDonald is a, a tight end that that will make some plays this season. And then from a rushing perspective, they have. Um, you know, four guys with at least 50 yards, uh, Treshawn Ward, Trey Benson, uh, Lawrence Toafili, and Rodney Hill, and then Jordan Travis has uh, 40 yards himself. So, like I mentioned, um, ACC's number one rushing attack so far, the Seminoles, um, 269 yards per, per game. Um, obviously, only 132 against LSU, so a lot of that came against Duquesne. That's why I think that the schedule leading to this point is a little bit skewed. Um, I think statistics are kind of tough to look at because, or at least they're hard to make a gauge on because of you know maybe the um, the opponents that you're playing might skew those um, numbers, but. Nonetheless, I think they have a solid linebacking core. Uh, Tatum Bethune, uh, Kalen Deloach, um, and defensive backs are looking solid as well. Renardo Green, uh, Jamie Robinson, and then, like I mentioned, uh, Jared Verse on the defensive line. And then you have uh, Akeem Dent, DJ Lundy, Amari Gaynor, Amarion Cooper, so on and so forth. Um, Greedy Vance, the former Louisville Cardinals, also in the mix there in the defensive back rotation for the Seminoles. Um, here's my take on how good Florida State is. I think that they are a team that is beatable for the Louisville Cardinals. I think that Louisville can win this game, but they're going to have to um, do things better than they have the first two weeks. I think that Florida State is a team that has the talent. Um, they have more discipline in terms of you know the mental mistakes, turnovers, penalties. Uh, they just look a lot better than they did in the first two seasons of Mike Norvell's tenure. Obviously, uh, it's only the first two games, so kind of hard to to base the opinion on a lot of statistics, but I think that they have a solid quarterback that is uh, coming into his own, um, you know, with solid weapons around him defensively, a very good defensive line uh, with a respectable back half of the defense. So I think that Florida State is a team that could very well win probably seven, eight, maybe even nine games, depending how the, the season season shakes out. A lot is going to depend on this game as well for Florida State. So ultimately, um, I think it's a respectable opponent. I think that uh, Florida State being favored in this game, obviously, um, is justified. So I think that um, it's a solid team. I don't know that they're a top 25 team. Maybe on the outside looking in, I, I need to see more. Uh, but they have talent on both ends of the ball. They look more disciplined than they have been in years past, and they have the depth to go along with it. So uh, tomorrow we will talk about what the Cardinals need to do to come out victorious in that matchup. But to end the Thursday edition of the show, we are going to end in a little bit of a victory celebration. Number three, Louisville Volleyball takes down rival Kentucky on the road. We'll talk about that here in just a second, but I want to first thank you all once again for making Locked on the Louisville your first lesson of the day. Just a reminder, the show is free on all streaming services five days a week. Your team every single day. Uh, well, not Saturday and Sunday. Well, sometimes, really depending on if, I, if I'm lazy throughout the week or if I have some stuff pop up. But hey, regardless... It's time to talk about volleyball. 
the number three number ranked the number three ranked Louisville Cardinals went into Lexington on Wednesday evening, took down the number thirteen Kentucky Wildcats in a five set thriller. The Cardinals lost the first set, ended up winning the next two, uh, lost a twenty two to eighteen set four lead in favor of the Wildcats, and then went on to clutch or put in a very clutch fifth set performance um this was a battle of heavyweights you know kentucky despite being ranked 13th uh you know still very very solid squad a uh, very tough schedule thus far they did lose to marquette early on in the year um but they beat usc they played a wisconsin team and got swept 3-0 uh, but still a very solid team the cardinals come into lexington and they end up victorious the cardinals now are i think Eight and one with one, two, three, four ranked victories. So half of the Louisville's victories are all ranked. Um, Western Kentucky, San Diego, a sweep over Purdue last weekend, and now taking on Kentucky and defeating them. Um, it was it was a matter of great offense taking on a good offense and a great defense. Kentucky comes in or came into the matchup. Uh, the I believe the number one team in the country in terms of kills per set and hitting percentage. They swing the ball really well. It was put on full display against the Cardinals. Louisville, on the other hand, I think fifth in D1 in hitting percentage and fifth, fourth or fifth in total, uh, or I'm sorry, blocks per set. Um, so Claire, Claire Chausset, Anna DeBeer, Amaya Tillman, um, 16, 15, and 11 kills respectively. Iko Jones and Kara Kress had eight kills to go along with that. The Cardinals, the uh, name of the game for them was just overall. I, I thought that they were extremely solid around the net. Kara Kress with seven blocks. Um, uh, Anna DeBeer for Raquel, Lath I think it's Lotharo is how it's pronounced. It's spelled Lazaro, but I think it's pronounced Lotharo. Uh, and Amaya Tillman, both of those, with the both of those uh, stars with three um, three blocks to their names. Uh, Lotharo had three aces. Elena Scott and Nico Jones both with two service aces. And Lotharo led the way with 46 assists and 14 digs, both team highs. Uh, Elena Scott, Alexa Hendricks, both with some big-time contributions. Um, but I liked the, the fight that this team uh, put on display after losing that first set. Didn't necessarily look as sharp. Um, you know, some work needed to be done. Um, but overall, I thought that in the second and third sets, they looked solid. You know, they swung at over a 34% uh, clip. Um, Kentucky, on the other hand, look, they are one of the best uh, hitting offenses in in the country. Um, the thing about it is the second set was, was not a good set for Kentucky. Uh, swung at a .059%. Uh, only, you know, swung over... 30% once, and that was in the first set. So the Louisville defense was put on full display, and I think that that's something to look for as the season goes along is that there's maybe not one thing that they do better, tremendously better than the others, but they are just so very solid in all facets of the game. Um, the Cardinals now will turn their attention. You can't get too uh, comfortable and, and cherish this one too much because you now go on the road to Stanford and take on a top 15 uh, Stanford Cardinal team, and then you'll get into ACC play in the next weekend. So the season chugging right along. The Cardinals um, ranked as the number three team in the country. Um, you know, right back in the mix again. I sent out a tweet from the podcast Twitter page that said, 
Um, you know, the fan base is starting to give more praise and recognition to Danny Busbum Kelly as, you know, they have been since the last season. But I don't necessarily think that the majority of the fan base truly grasps or understands how massive and monumental of a coaching job Danny Busbum Kelly has done here at Louisville, only losing 30 games over a uh, 70% winning percentage. It's phenomenal what she is doing. This program is on a very real collision course with its first national championship. I truly believe that. Um, but overall, the team's perseverance was put on full display in this matchup against Kentucky. It's a rivalry game, so both teams are, are sending their best haymakers. It was an electric atmosphere in Lexington, and the Cardinals showed that they not only could battle you know, the atmosphere, but they also could battle adversity. They went down in that first set, and like we saw last year, time and time again, when they got hit in the mouth, they got right back up, and they went at it. And what happened? Well, they lost that first set. And they won the next two. They arguably should have won that fourth set. They're up 22-18. to 18, But Kentucky's offense is something to be reckoned with for sure. And the Cardinals clutched it out in set five. Um, you know, Some people, it's an embarrassment of riches. And it shows just how spoiled we are as Louisville fans is when they lost that game against Ohio State, which was the first home loss since 2020. First regular season loss since the 2020 season as well. Um, you know, A lot of Louisville fans are like, oh, is this team as good as last year? It's one loss to a top 10 team. Now, granted, they didn't necessarily play their greatest match, uh, put their best foot forward. But look, I don't think that the I don't think it's you know a, a contest to see if you can be as good as last year's team because it's a different team. I think that it's being better than you were in the match prior, and you have to have a short term memory because you're going up against some very very solid teams. And it's about putting yourself in a good situation and in playing good volleyball by the time the tournament rolls around. So uh, in, in trying to claim an ACC championship, because Pittsburgh's right there. Georgia Tech is right there. It's not going to be easy to win the ACC this year. Just because the Cardinals went undefeated last season literally means nothing this year. Um, so it, it's a matter of the team staying poised, which they're doing so. You know, After that loss uh, against Ohio State, what'd they do? Well, the very next weekend, they swept number nine Purdue. They swept Lipscomb. The next day, they just beat Kentucky on the road. Now they go to Stanford for an interesting game against a powerhouse team in the Pac-12. So shout out to Danny Busbaum Kelly and the Louisville volleyball team for their clutch victory. Um, before we get out here, I want to give a, a, a quick shout out to the Locked On ACC podcast. No better way to get to that conference news than that show hosted by Candace Cooper. So check that out on whatever streaming service you use. But hey, that's going to wrap up this Thursday edition of the show. We are almost to game day. Hang in there. Have fun today. We'll see you right back here on game day tomorrow.